Welcome to Equal Inspired, the inclusive podcast, brought to you by Equal IT. So Heather Dua joins us, who is a project manager working within the delivery management talent community at Avenade in Stockholm, Sweden. Swetha has over 17 years of experience in delivering projects and IT consulting services within the telecom, retail, travel, and utility industries. She is passionate about leading and motivating globally distributed cross-functional teams and has worked on multiple app development projects and Microsoft tech stack implementation within SharePoint and Plower platform. Swetha is a certified Scrum Master and Agile practitioner and has helped her telecom clients with their omni-channel digital transformations. Prior to moving to Stockholm, Sweden, Swetha volunteered regularly with non-profit organizations in multiple Indian cities. One of them was Toybank which works towards addressing the developmental needs of at-risk children through games, toys, and play. And she was able to establish and run the city chapters of Toy Bank in India. Swetha is currently enrolled in a master's program with an IT project management in Stockholm University. She's going to be completing her master's thesis this fall and is preparing to graduate by the end of this year. Thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. Since 2021, I know that you've invested hundreds of hours in career coaching many different people. And we'd love to know, what inspires this? Being a mentee myself uh, on one of the mentorship programs provided by Stockholm Start, which is the municipality of Stockholm, uh, so being a mentee myself there inspired me on this journey. And I, I can tell you that I significantly benefited from the program. Um, and having that knowledge and pay it forward, uh, wanting to be able to do that, I think that that's what inspired me. And my mentor there was like Delenia Gerger. She is former CEO of System Belaget. Uh, she's been like a guiding light in helping me with the right tools at the right time. And I think that knowledge and getting back from a mentor put me on that path. Through being a mentor, a mentee, you've embraced the lessons that you've learned along the way. And I absolutely love that you're paying it forward. You're sharing your inspiration and your insights. It's really, really inspirational. So you moved to Sweden in 2020. What were your expectations here? Because I know you'd never been to Sweden before. I knew very little about Sweden. Um, when I heard about Stockholm, that's when I learned a little bit about the startup scene and the tech jobs that are available. I was very positive moving here. And within the first 10 days of moving here, I also got um, an interview opportunity with Ericsson. Uh, so I was absolutely thrilled. But prior to moving to Stockholm, the only preparation you can say I did was just signing up and registering for uh, STCN or Stockholm Dual Career Network. And this network group was because of my husband's employer being a member company of this network group. And so I registered that and that was the only preparation I did before coming to Stockholm that, okay, let me give this a try. But I had absolutely no idea what was in store for me when I actually landed here. Quite literally three weeks after you moved to Sweden, the pandemic hit. Nobody saw that coming, right? A very unsettling, scary, unnerving time. Can you paint a picture for what that meant for you when it comes to settling into Sweden, finding a new job, your, your interview even at Ericsson? We are a family of three, along with my now 10-year-old son. So the first few weeks in Stockholm was, I can say that it was absolutely scary and worrisome because uh, COVID was unraveling uh, all over the globe and because of the policies that were in place in Sweden, it was a bit difficult to understand what actions were being taken. So we were mostly scared. But in hindsight, when I look back, I think it was one of the most uh, luxurious thing to have happened to us in terms of being a parent, so to say, because schools did not close in Sweden. And so as a parent, I think it was quite a journey in the beginning. It was a bit uh, scary. But then I think when we saw that schools continued to operate, it was such a relief for us that, okay, things go the same, life stays the same for the children here, at least compared to the rest of the children worldwide. Uh, coming to job prospects, I think 
just about every company stopped hiring. They froze their hiring and every opportunity I thought I had kind of disappeared. And the one I had with Ericsson also didn't turn out to be an end on a positive note. I finished three rounds, but it didn't go anywhere. Probably a hiring freeze due to COVID. So the first six months, I would say my initial attempts of job hunting in Sweden did not really yield any kind of positive results. And the rest of 2020 almost remained like a repetition of that. So multiple interviews, uh, sometimes even six rounds at certain companies. And I would see myself going out of the process. So it was quite hard. That must have been really challenging and difficult to pick yourself back up, to keep going in what was a really difficult time. It's an absolute testament to you, Sweater, your resilience, your character, the strength that you have within to keep on going. And look where you are now. You're absolutely thriving. You're mentoring others. You're sharing your experiences. And we'll touch on that a little bit more in the conversation. But you mentioned schools. So I know you have a 10-year-old. How did you go about finding schools in a new location? It was quite, uh, I would say, challenging. Um, So initially, uh, what we did was, it's also a bit different. It depends on the country you're coming from. In India, it starts a bit differently, the time of the year. So he was finishing school in second grade. And then we come here and we were told schools start a year later at year seven. So that was a bit like, a learning process for us. So we had to approach schools which would still let him go into a, a grade that he's prob- probably right suited for at that time. So we were uh, trying to look for international schools, probably because we thought that's like a safe spot, something that he would integrate directly, doesn't have to really think about not knowing the language, the local language or Swedish. But after a year in Sweden, we actually moved him back to a bilingual school. And that comes from us uh, wanting him to be able to have more local knowledge, local friends, having that, getting to know this country a little bit more rather than being in an international school setup where it's a bit harder to do that. Uh, so I think it, I would say the schooling journey for us as, as parents has been quite something because that was completely we didn't plan for. So yeah, uh, it was it was a learning process for us. It still is. When you relocate, it is all about exploring, learning new things. It's trial and error. You're learning by doing, right? And what may have worked for you for the first six months may not then be an option. And, and you may want to adapt and change things to best suit your child and their needs so they can adapt better in this new location too. So adaptability is a big thing here. Six months, that's a real long time to go through that difficult period of rejections and having to pick yourself back up again. It's a real testament to your character. This has been a journey of resilience for you, Sweater. And how do you feel like you built that resilience to pick yourself back up from setbacks? I would say I had the support of my family, uh, primarily my husband. He He actually found a job here, and that's the reason why we moved. And I quit my job in India before moving here. Uh, I would say he was very guilty uh, of things that were not under his control, like things like pandemic, COVID, that none of us had any control over. And so seeing me uh, struggling to find that right job, right opportunity, kind of made him think of moving back. We even considered it at one point uh, by the end of 2020. But what I had was, I would say, his support, listening to me, helping me out with different opportunities, telling me it's it's all right. Don't stress yourself. Uh, you will get there. Will you know find it? So I think it was um, for me the hardest part was amidst all these rejections. Also came my first winter in Sweden. So that was more hard-hitting than the rejections itself because I had not known uh, living in India that weather would play such an important role. You don't see how you take that for granted sometimes. And for me, the first November was quite bad. I, I was very depressed. I felt like 
if I can say a failure. Many times I felt, why am I not getting that right opportunity? Why am I not sealing the deal? But I think that one trip back home energized me. We went away that winter to India uh, amidst all the wearing the mask and, you know, a lot of protocols. Flying was terrifying going back home. But we did it. And I think that happened only because of my husband. He just surprised us by booking tickets because he felt a lot of sadness around the house. Uh, it bothered him. And he took us home, meeting family, getting a little bit of sun. I think helped me to think like, okay, I can do this. Let me give this another go. So I think after it took me 12 to 14 months to find the right opportunity, but I hung in there and what I felt kept me going was I can do this. I, I have the right skills, right knowledge. It's just a matter of time. It really can't have been easy. And again, it, it's just an absolute testament to you to keep going, to not give up when times were really tough. Life can be a journey. And unfortunately, with, with many journey, it can have some real highs, but some real lows. It's how can we bounce back from the lows? How can we learn from them? And I can imagine from your own experiences, it's really helped to shape more of your character, your strength and the way in which you look at things now. Yeah, absolutely. You can say that. I now approach winters in a different way. <laughs> I can tell you that. How do you get through the Swedish winters now? So I keep myself busy. I drown in work. So what, what happens when the clocks change in November is suddenly at 2.33 p.m. everything goes dark. And so what I try to do is I try to feel that I'm still working, not look out the window because that really uh, doesn't work for me. So I only look out at five. Then I feel like, okay, it's evening. All right, we can do this. So that's that's a most simple thing that I try and do. But I think what I've been advised by local Swedes is to go out there, get some fresh air, go for a walk. And I think that's more a healthier option. What people don't prepare you for is to enjoy the summers. Because if for a person who's come in February, uh, you don't really see November yet. Uh, so what happens is when summer comes, I, I actually tell every newcomer in Sweden, who I kind of get to know a little bit more. Uh, I tell them, it's your first summer here. Just go out there and enjoy. Because you need all that energy to, to brace, you know, for the winters, you, to challenge it, to have enough energy to go on. Um, and I think the job search goes dead here in Sweden. So that's also something I, I learned the hard way. I remember applying to a lot of jobs during uh, the summer break without knowing that actually nobody's really looking at my applications. So somebody then told me in the fall, oh, you've been wasting your time. You know, you should apply now. You should reapply to everything that you did during the summer. I said, okay, I did not know that. So that's also something, it's very cultural, it's very local. So when somebody asks me like how to, 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 you know, start their job search and if they've just arrived in May, I tell them just, just, just go have fun. This is the time to have fun. You can come back in fall. There's nothing lost in two, three months. Just settle down. Yeah. And you've got to make the most of that sunshine because that's not staying for very long in Sweden. You really have to make the most of that. I know that trip back home was really vital in re-energizing you and helping you. But what else would you say was the game changer for your job search? Two things that changed the game for me is one is Stockholm Dual Career Network. Uh, I did not see the full potential when I first landed, mostly because I, I think I thought, uh, I thought that, you know, I got this uh, opportunity with uh, Ericsson. So I thought, okay, there are some opportunities out there. Maybe I don't need to spend that much time on the career network group. But what the network group brought is it brought forth people, it brought forth connections. All these people who have just newly moved, uh, they, they are in the same boat as you. They're also looking for job opportunities. And the biggest uh, potential there was the spouses or the partners of people in that career network group are your potential referral options, which I realized uh, six to seven months after joining the 
uh, career network group. So, so I think STCN turned things around for me. It helped me with career support events, a lot of um, professional events like LinkedIn workshops, learning how to turn your Indian uh, five-page CV into one-page CV. It's it's a big joke around our house, like how my CV was five pages. I kind of put my whole history there. Uh, and I then was told in Sweden, it's just one page because people take a few seconds to glance at it. If you don't make the mark, you're not going to get shortlisted. So a lot of learnings, I would say. And the second thing which changed the game for me was uh, the Stockholm's Mentorship Program. Um, and I got to know about this program through STCM. One of the events that they hosted, I went there and gave an interview and became a part of the program. So how it changed for me is the mentor rallied me through the whole program. She told me about a lot of platforms available in Sweden. It's a country full of opportunities there for you. It's just that you need to be proactive and put conscious efforts. And then people are very responsive. They, they like to know why you're here. They like to know why you moved to Sweden of all the places. What brought you here? What are your skills? What are your experiences? So I think it's these two things turn things around for me. It's so great that you had that support system because moving to a new place, it can feel quite lonely to start with. Throw in a pandemic, then it puts so much more stress, pressure, difficulties to make those connections with people, especially where there was that blanket of so much fear with everything that was going on. So really happy that you had that support system. How do you feel you had to adapt your mindset for the job search? Because you have a lot of experience. You've come from a thriving career back home. So how did you have to adapt? So that is uh, quite interesting because I, I did not know what I would do until I was actually presented with such an opportunity. So, for example, there is uh, an internship platform called Jobsprongen, which is run by Royal Academy of Engineering Sciences here in uh, Sweden. So when this was brought up by my mentor, I had no clue that this existed. I registered myself and then I applied to 28 different jobs, internship applications, which were there. And one of them was for a business analyst, something that I had done 10 years ago in my experience. And when I saw it, I realized I didn't even blink twice. Of course, it is something I did a lot of years ago. Of course, it is something that I'm too experienced for that quite, that happens quite a lot in Sweden where highly qualified people cannot find uh, the jobs because they're too qualified uh, for the opportunities that are available. I went for it anyways. And what turned out is, is the best surprise there. So when the CTO of Adressia, Maria, called me and she said, uh, I would like to take an interview. I said, sure. And then the, I was in India at that time, taking exactly the break I needed. And I took the interview and she said, you're too qualified to be a business analyst. Why did you apply? I said, I can still do it. I have done this before, so I will be really efficient. So you don't need to train me to do this job. So, so that's the reason I applied and I'm happy to do it. She said, you know what, we'll keep the BA role for another person. We will recruit another person, but I'm going to create this project manager role for you because you have the skills, you have the experience and qualification. And I didn't know how to respond to that because you don't know what's in store for you. You look at it and you're keeping an open mindset that let me give this a try because I know I can do this and not thinking that much about, you know, kind of designation or, you know, I did this 10 years ago. I shouldn't be doing it now. No, I actually didn't give it a thought because you could say it was because of me being desperate to find a job or you could say I was, you know, let me do something, you know, that I'm good at. So it could go either ways of, you know, yeah, how I of it at that time. 
but it worked out eventually and I'm really grateful for it. It's so great that you took that chance because adapting to a new mindset, it can be really, really tough. I feel particularly around internships, there's a big stigma. Is it viewed as taking a step back in your career? Does it bruise the ego slightly? You know, there's a lot of feelings that maybe can hold people back from taking an internship, not looking at the bigger picture about, okay, what can I learn from this experience? Am I going to get hands-on experience in a Swedish business culture? So I want to try and demystify that feeling around internships. What advice can you share to people who may be questioning whether it's for them or thinking that it's a big step back in their career? This is something that uh, keeps coming up. And I uh, go back to STCN and go back to all the members that I meet, new and old, and I tell them the exact same thing, that do not look at internship just as a plain internship. It's like a stepping stone to that permanent job that you're looking for. So look at it like the first baby step uh, and give it your all, give it 100%. Because when I was at Adresia, I treated it like any other full-time job. Not one day I woke up and said, oh, this is an internship. I need to take this more easily or more casually. No, I actually went overboard and said, no, I will give it all. And then I can be happy that I tried. Uh, so I think it's it's a binge like having an open mindset and giving it your 100% uh, sometimes can work uh, wonders. Thank you for sharing. And just looking at your internship, what skills from that, do you feel you learned? The internship was especially about the local culture here, the business culture. The internship platform, all the interns that you probably have interned through your Sprunger would have been treated as the employer's own employees. They're not treated as interns. And that was the big takeaway for me. We were treated exactly like the employees, given the same set of responsibilities that their own employees get. And probably even more to, to kind of make you feel welcome at the organization. So I think that was the big, big uh, takeaway for me that, okay, I can do this because people trust me to do this. They trust me to do, do this in four months and do it the right way. So I think uh, that has to at least attribute to the local culture here because I think they, they take internships seriously um, uh, rather than what I've seen or what my perception of internship was from before. You've shared your story so beautifully, Sweater, and it's been one of challenges, but also lots of positive things to now take away from it, especially looking at where you are now. You should be really proud of yourself. Using those lessons and helping others, I know is your passion. So what I want to create now is almost your ultimate guide for newcomers in Sweden for navigating the job market. What are some of your biggest tips, biggest advice on how they can approach the new job search in a new location? I would start by saying, enjoy the summer months. They don't last very long. Uh, you can uh, completely forget about job search during the summer. So I think it's best to just spend time with family, you know, explore the country, settle in, take in everything that you, you are seeing and learning about the culture. Um, second thing would be, I think it's important to invest in relationships, the local, you know, context that you're finding, because I think that the trust out of these relationships is key how the Swedish society works especially in a professional setup. If if you're going for that new job opportunity, referral is the best way to get into that company uh, because people trust you. It's coming out of a professional relationship. People give you, give a lot of weightage to that, that the employees know you, you know, you're coming into this new organization. And I think um, to an open mind, Sweden offers a lot of platforms, a lot of opportunities for you to develop your skills, add to your experience, try whatever works best for you. Uh, I wouldn't say uh, Yacht from it was the best thing that happened uh, in terms of internship opportunities for me, but something else would be better for you. But there are quite a few platforms that you could explore. And I think... Um, do not limit yourself. Like I said, you know, I tried that business analyst job opportunity um, because I feel that 
a job does not define you. You need to be happy with what you're doing. I think I would have been happy doing business analyst at that time because I would have felt, okay, I have things to do, things to explore, things to learn from. So it's kind of like a journey. So so have lots of patience and give yourself give yourself grace. Some great advice there. And I know you had SDCN and a few other initiatives that help you to build connections. But how else did you go about building meaningful connections in a new location? Because as you say, having those relationships is really vital and can be really impactful and lead to so many great opportunities, referrals. So what advice can you share here for building meaningful connections? You've been to Stockholm so many times, you see how many tech events keep happening, uh, whether it's women in tech or it's women in AI. There are lots of groups. Um, and if you're not a, a woman who's listening to this, uh, if you if you ha- feel like you want to be part of tech events, that plenty of other opportunities you don't have to be you know part of uh, women oriented events you can actually go into a lot of other platforms opportunities where you can sign up register and explore start meeting those people Um, and when you do it's always nice to kind of keep in touch say hello and uh, people here love to catch up for a walk or for a coffee Uh, take that chance ask that and more often than not, people will say yes, and people are very positive. They like that to take initiative and drive your relationship with that person. So I think for me, with all the STCN members, uh, when the weather opened up, when COVID subsided, I actually took the chance of going for coffee breaks with different members, uh, for walks. Of course, we maintained the social distancing, we took the measures, but we still met with each other just to keep ourselves sane because there were no social events and it was quite hard. Uh, But now that everything is mostly business as usual, uh, my suggestion would be take those opportunities, attend and register to these events, if not all the time, once in a month, just just go and meet the people and say hello. Uh, You'll you'll see how many people are like, you know, like-minded who want to talk about technology with you, talk about their experiences with you. And there's a, there's a lot of multicultural experiences you can uh, have in Stockholm. I completely agree. If you're being genuine and authentic with your outreach, if you're humanizing things and going that little extra mile to tailor your outreach also to people, that can go a long way. And there is so much power in being proactive, taking the reins of your career development and being in control of that. And you can do that through utilizing your network and having those meaningful connections. It just opens so many doors for you. I can also recommend Meetup, Eventbrite, great platforms to look for, local events or even virtual events. They have hundreds. You just need to search the area that you're interested in. What other platforms were helpful for you to find events? I found a lot of things even through LinkedIn. That's that's also how I found you. Um, so I've been following Equality for quite some time. So it's it's basically about what you want to learn, right? So I was actively looking for organizations, individuals, you know, spreading the message and awareness about women doing so many great things in technology. So I actively went and looked for them on LinkedIn, started following them. And sometimes it's also about when you see women speakers uh, on the stage, you don't know them, you don't have the opportunity to meet with them, but you tend to follow them and learn what, what are they saying, what have they been up to in their, with their career, with their personal life. So uh, there was this one time when I met with a person at Women in Tech. Uh, she worked at Menti Meter. And so she was surprised how much I knew about the company. And I said, I only follow. I, I see what, what your company say, what are the things you've been up to. So she was surprised. And it was kind of nice to have that conversation. So it, I didn't have to prepare to have that chat. I already had the resources to carry that conversation forward. 
Well, we're really grateful for your support and the fact you've been following us, Shweta, and I'm so pleased that we had the chance to finally meet at the Women in Tech Sweden conference. What a great day. And here we are now on Equal Inspired, and we're so happy to have you. It just goes to show the power of a relationship and what that can create. And what you've shared, it also highlights the importance of really being in tune with your market when you move some someplace new. Do the research, self-educate yourself, looking to all of the content that's free, that's available online, get following people, get following hashtags on LinkedIn as well on the topics that resonate most with you. It can really lead to a long lasting impact. I know you joked a little bit around the evolution of your own CV, how it went from five pages to one page. What advice can you share here through your own journey on CV best practices, things people should be considering? One of the things I wanted to share here is when COVID happened, uh, there were a few really amazing kind people on LinkedIn who offered 30 minutes every day to people to advise on CV, especially with the layoffs happening or new people looking for opportunities. And there was this one person who actually chose to have that call with me. I, I, I actually took that chance. I said, you know, I want you come in Sweden. I have a five-page CV. And she said, oh, you must be Indian. And we joked about it. As she said, she actually saw that this was a cultural thing that we have so much put in there. And she said, you know what, it's a one-page CV, let's get to this. And she helped me through that call, tried to tell me, you know, you don't have to say everything about what you've done. Highlight the things that matter to the job uh, description that has been posted. Put the things that attracts the keywords. So you look at it, it says... Um, you know, program management, it says delivery. Talk about delivery in your CV. Bring that a little bit, highlight that a little bit on your CV. Um, and what I did based on her uh, amazing feedback was I created um, four to five different cover letters depending on what kind of role I was applying. So, for example, an integration manager is quite different from a delivery manager. Uh, you need to kind of point out what kind of integrations did you do? What APIs did you work with? So it's kind of like highlight the things that you've done. Uh, if it's app development, bring forth your experience a little bit more highlighted in your cover letter. And for someone who had never had a cover letter prior to coming to Sweden, so that was a huge um, learning curve for me in the first six months to bring that cover letter, bring it five different times and highlight it. So I think my best um, tip would be when you think the role comes out to you, you don't need to be 100% in on that perfection at, you know, have you checked everything off? That's not required. Even if it's, I would say 60%, go for it and highlight the ones that they are asking for. So you have it on your experience, show it. And I think that helps. That really helps. Yeah, it's battling that idea of perfection. And I really believe that perfection is an illusion. Does it even exist? If we strive continually for perfection, then will we ever actually get anything done? Will it hold ourselves back too much? As long as you can provide tangible examples of your strengths, be really crisp and clear with those examples on the challenge you worked on, what your actions led to, specifically what you did, and what the result was, the outcomes, if you can quantify that, then you're doing everything you can. And also if you can make up for the skills gaps by showcasing educational pieces or hobby projects that you've been doing, again, you're really strengthening your application and it's so, so, so important. You've shared some great insights on adapting to Swedish culture, Swedish climates as well, particularly winter, summer and the contrasts. What are some of your other tips on how to navigate Swedish business culture? One thing that I wasn't really prepared for or wasn't really aware of, if I can say, was Swedish society is very closed. So it's quite difficult to get that conversation going. For example, if you live in an apartment society, it's quite difficult to just say hello to your neighbors and just walk in and say, hey, let's let's have a coffee. Well, in, culturally in India, it's quite the norm. Uh, everybody knows everybody in your building. So especially think of this in a pandemic situation. That just takes it to another level. 
nobody wants to really have that conversation because, you know, it's a pandemic. We're trying to keep the social distancing there. So I think for me, it started at home trying to understand, okay, this is like a closed society. So how do I do this? So I first tried it with STCN, which of course was not, they were all people from outside, just like me. They were not locals. But eventually what it led me to is a lot of more connections who are more local. So, so what I tried to do is keep myself sane first. I have that, you know, familiar connections, people who can understand your journey, experiences, because they're also going through the same you know, ordeal at that time. But at the same time, see if they have any good connections that they can get me in touch with. I can have a conversation. Because coming from a friend or coming from a non-contact, the local people are more positively responding to that than they would to a total stranger sending a message on LinkedIn, for example. So I think I used that, but I learned very slowly. I'm not saying I, I... realized this in the first week or first month, it took me some time to get there. But what I didn't stop doing is, even though I found the job, I could have stopped. Like I found the job, right? So I have been asked this question that, what, what's the need to develop more connections? What's the need to do more networking? And I have these open conversations with my husband and I say, because of the experiences I had uh, in the first 12 to 14 months where it was tough for me to find the right people, I feel a bit insecure all the time that I need, I feel the need to have the, you know, get to know people, have these connections going because I also, I'm always mindful that I'm not from here. Uh, I, I carry that with me and I kind of invest in it intentionally that I go out there, attend those tech meetups once in a month or once in two months. And I, I give my 100%. Then when I'm there, I'm present, talking to everyone, introducing myself, uh, getting to see if there are other people that have similar experiences or can understand my journey and listen to them as well, like what, what they bring to the table. So I think it's, it's for me, a continuous journey, uh, Ellie. That's, that's what I, I can say. I, I did not stop with finding the job. And that's some, some suggestion or advice I would like to give to people who come here to intentionally to continue to do this. Uh, because it's, it's, you, you never know, it's a recession. It's, it's, you know, it can be another thing uh, coming up. It's these contacts who can probably help you uh, find that next opportunity for you. A connection you make tomorrow could be a connection that helps you a year two years down the line. You just don't know. You have to be proactive, put yourself out there, really come out of the comfort zone and be vulnerable. And you have showcased quite literally all of that sweater in your own journey. You've embodied that. And again, like it's a real credit to you because you have seen the benefits of doing these things. You're walking proof that it does work if you put in that time and you stay resilient with it because again, it can be draining, exhausting. It's not the easiest thing to do in the world. You've spoken a lot around mentorship and how that has really played a pivotal role in your career. And I'm curious, how else do you feel mentorship has transformed you both personally and professionally? I was a mentee there for eight months. It was an eight-month program. And the program was to kind of bring together established uh, people in local Sweden, like Swedish business community, bring them together as mentors to people moving in, newly coming into Sweden. So that's the objective of the program. Personally, I think when I was struggling in uh, 2020, I realized that I needed that in, like I needed that door, uh, you know, kind of to get in there. And that's when I, that's at the right time I happened to join this mentorship program. And my mentor kind of could tell me the do's and don'ts of, you know, there are these particular nuances to understanding the Swedish uh, business culture. So it's kind of, she, she kind of explained, like, you know, um, it's important to kind of pick up a little bit of Swedish because, you know, during the Pika, it's all Swedish. 
you you kind of talk to people get get them to know a little bit personally about you so so be a bit open to share why you're here uh, what was the reason that you moved uh, kind of a little bit personal touch to to who you are rather than keeping it you know i have these skills i have this experience talk about so that that's some advice that i get even now uh, about you know navigating professional experiences relationships and my career in sweden that you know be authentic uh, be truthful to what you're saying be honest people like that here and having significantly kind of benefited from that program i think i became determined to kind of take that forward uh, because that kind of helped me and i and i that's the drive i had that when i finished it i told myself that i benefited from this i need to do something and that's when i started following bila and that was 2 years ago uh, but i didn't make the jump to become a mentor at all i was still a mentee in my heart so i was still learning i wanted to learn more before i get there um so i think i i gave it 2 years of following the work that's being done and re- recommending it to a lot of people that i know and then i made the jump myself that yeah now i'm ready now i can do this so i think yeah, personally and professionally that mentorship program kind of put me on the right path um so i i wanted to be that mentor to someone uh to to give the knowledge about resources and platforms that i we absolutely love bila we support their work wholeheartedly i've had the pleasure of collaborating with them many many times can you share a little bit more about what bila is what they've done for you and we can talk a bit about you being a mentor there later on so my journey with bila started of course by following uh, juliana and bila on linkedin and when i did that i was following how they were focused on uh, women and people who write identify as non binary and so they were focusing on immigrants coming into the country looking for opportunities uh they opened up their first pollination mentoring program and what i did back then was uh and part of the corporate social responsibility uh, it's a tiny group within avanard for the nordics um i sometimes don't have enough time to contribute there due to work commitments and personal commitments but what i tried to do back then was to introduce bila to everyone at Avanard. So I tried to bring that and say, "Hey, I've been following this organization. They're really good. We have amazing people in the company who can become mentors, uh women supporting women and it's it's kind of nice. This is something I believe in we should do. Uh kind of like expand uh like spread that awareness about Bila. Um I didn't sign up to be a mentor at that time because like I said I was still a mentee at heart, like still learning, still doing a uh, lot of things looking at people and observing and learning so when i decided to become a mentor i actually uh, had already spent 2 years of uh, spending many hours uh, career coaching giving tips to people on cv on linkedin how they should approach uh, you know opportunities etc so what it meant for me was um when i joined i felt I should keep an open mind towards my mentee and whoever it is learn from them because as a mentor it's very important for me to learn what did I learn from my mentee uh the person could be from a different culture that's already a huge bonus for me I will learn about a new culture um and then probably uh, their experience uh, their challenges because their challenges will more certainly be different than mine i i just grow with that assumption that their challenges will be different and that has helped me because that then makes me an active listener in the process so i listen okay that is new so let me see what i can do how i can help and always pivoting what i heard okay let how can i help how can uh, i use the knowledge that i have is it a quick introduction to someone that could help you or is it just a cv update that we could try or is it um getting the cv reviewed by another hr or ta person uh who can who can then drive you 
York uh, you, accelerate your opportunity or job search. So I'm on a, if you can say, open mind, just, just listen, take notes. And then I worked with my mentee to go back. We had like a plan every time we met. Uh, it was an amazing experience to get to know her. Um, I met her a few times in person. We went out for a walk. We went out for coffee. Um, so it's it's been amazing. And what's fulfilling for me is we have plans even after the mentorship program ended. Uh, we are committed to having that relationship and taking that forward and help each other uh, in the future. So I think that's that's something that I didn't see see it coming and that's really nice for me. It's amazing that you're continuing that relationship and what is the type of time commitment required to be at Bela as a mentor? It was one hour every month but it was also flexible. If the people had more time you could do more hours, you could you could spend more time uh, either helping them out with introductions or you could just look up the CV, uh, give some suggestions, give some offline feedback. Uh, for example, uh, we worked on uh, when my mentee was um, uh, interning with an organization, um, we talked about how she can gather feedback from the organization when she's done with her internship. And I worked with her to build a template that she could use in getting that feedback. So so we worked on it and I could send it to her on weekend and she could, you know, get it reviewed. So So kind of like a given uh give and take like you know kind of i give suggestions and then i'm also listening in on what she could add we're working together so i think it's a collaborative effort yeah it's very much a team effort and just on the idea of giving feedback as a mentor how do you work to give constructive feedback to your mentee without demotivating or discouraging them for me it's very personal so for so if i see something that I would like to give some feedback, uh, for example, towards my mentee. I would actually go back to my own experiences. Uh, for example, uh, I would actually go to share very honest experiences about a failure I had because of something that I probably spot that the mentee is kind of going towards. Um, it could be um, not being open to another internship or not being open to a particular job because you know it has drawbacks or it has uh, not that many great positive things about it. So I would kind of listen to it and and give my own experiences. Uh, for example, uh, if I was open towards uh, an internship position, I would say, you know, you never know. Like give it a try, maybe it works. So so always have that um, uh, optimistic approach. And also letting the mentee know that it's okay to fail. Also, uh, when trying, it's okay to fail and okay to give it a try and not succeed. Uh, because it's important when I saw my mentor uh, sharing about leadership position. She was in a leadership position. She was uh, now she is the former CEO. It's important of the, about the, to hear about the challenges that she would have faced in leadership positions. And it's not easy to succeed every single day. You wouldn't have certain speed bumps. You'll have failures. You'll have obstacles. And it's okay to have those because you will only learn from those. And next time, you're more prepared. So I think for me, it's like if you can offer some personal experiences to your, towards your mentee, that always helps. I really love that you humanize your approach to mentorship. Your mentee also has an amplified voice. You both learn from each other. You both share experiences and stories. You work in unity and it's not transactional. And I think that's really, really important. And again, why you are thriving as a mentor currently. Anybody would be really, really lucky to have you as a mentor, Shweta. And for anybody who may be watching or listening, if they want to create meaningful impact, they want to be a mentor, what advice can you share to them? Go with honesty. Be authentic to yourself. Be a bit vulnerable. Uh, Share your experiences and trust the person. Trust your mentee. Uh, because you are in a journey and it works if you are more trusting towards each other. Uh, that's when you get to know each other a little bit more. 
uh, than you would otherwise. Share a bit of your own personal journey, personal experiences to give them a perspective. So when you're advising on something, if you if they already know a little bit more on a personal front about you, uh, that's when they kind of understand, oh, that's where you're coming from. So, so in, instead of just giving out tips, if it came from a personal space, then it makes more sense to the mentee, oh, okay, that's the experience you have. And that's why, you know, you're suggesting me to try this. And you will learn a lot as a mentor. So if you are, if you are somebody who is looking to be a mentor, it's a completely learning path and you will learn so many things, so many new things that will help you as a person. And sometimes even with your profession, you will understand probably how to manage your own teams, manage uh, a particular experience that uh, probably you learned from your mentee's experience. You go back and say, okay, let me give that a try. So I think it's it's a learning journey. So whoever's uh, interested and want to, you know, make some great use of their time, I would totally recommend it. Absolutely. It's been such a joy speaking with you today. Thank you for sharing your pearls of wisdom through your own journey and your lessons and for just being so open with us. You truly are inspiring. Thank you so much, Ellie. I'm really happy being here. Thank you for listening to today's episode and we hope you're feeling inspired. If you are, please feel free to like, share, subscribe and join us on our mission to create a diverse, inclusive and equitable universe. This podcast is brought to you by Equal IT, a mission-driven business working to diversify tech teams through refined talent acquisition complemented by diversity and inclusion consulting. As an Azure Heroes inclusive leader, we aim for teams to cultivate a strong sense of belonging and equity. Find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. We welcome your feedback, questions, and would love to hear from you. Join us next time on Equal Inspired.